Our first reading is from Genesis, the first chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. There was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. And let, them be light. let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth according to the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. From the gospel lesson. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am always with you even to the end of the age. So Jesus speaks of the end of the age. This is the end of the age in which we are living on a very serious promise that he brings to us here, that it is coming to an end someday. This is backed up in many other places in the Bible. Paul, in Galatians chapter 1, calls, calls this age we are living in right now this present evil age. And again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says that the wisdom and the rulers of this age are coming to an end. What is distinctive about this age, compared especially to the creation account that I read from Genesis chapters 1 and 2, is this presence of evil, this twisting and turning of the will of God in the world. The Apostle John, in his first letter, refers to this as the problem of pride and lust. 1 John chapter 2, For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. To be delivered from this present evil age, we are called to become disciples of another God. Not the God of this world, which is really the God of self but the God of salvation, and that is the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Of all gods that have been imagined in this earth by human beings, not a single one of them promises salvation as a gift based on a sacrifice made by that God. Every other God, again, the gods of ourselves imagined in the minds of men always teach a God of rewards, a God of accomplishments, a God that fits well within that paradigm of pride. But the God of the Bible doesn't fit in that at all. The God of the Bible calls us to repent and in repentance promises us the greatest gift that we could ever receive, the gift of forgiveness. He is the one who saves us literally from ourselves, from our sin. This God is best taught or perhaps summarized in the very name that he gives us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's think about that a little bit. And uh, tonight, go through some basic review of what this means for us and for our salvation and for the world that is still to be called to faith in Christ. First of all, God, our Father. In all three of the great creeds, the Apostles Nicene and the Athanasian creeds, point out that God, our Father, is our Creator. And that doctrine of creation, which is so important and is the foundation of everything, the beginning of everything, tells us at least these two things. First, we did not create ourselves. Now, I've never met anyone who thought they created themselves. But it also teaches us that we were not created by an accident. I have sadly met many people who have been deceived and do believe this very thing, that we have been created by an accident. This thought haunted the great author of the theory of evolution himself, Charles Darwin. He called it literally his horrid doubt. The problem with this is he realized the implications of his own ideas. If everything is created by accident, then I'm an accident. And the very thoughts that I have in my head right now are an accident. In a letter he wrote to his wife, dear wife Emma, who, by the way, never agreed with him about his ideas of creation, he said that he kissed and cried over this. This means that he's not really talking about science here. I don't think Michael Faraday kissed and cried over his ideas about electromagnetism or Newton about gravity or any of the other great uh, discoveries of uh, this natural world by human beings. It's a reality. And we don't kiss and cry over these truths. They are truths, and we're sure of them, and we're confident in them. But we can't be confident in this at all. To believe in God as our creator is to believe in this reality, not the mythology that somehow we were created in some other way, but rather by the power of his word. As Moses clearly says in Genesis chapter 1, also, as God created us in infinite complexity, a, a world that is certainly the product of an infinite mind, it gives us great confidence to know this, to know that life is not a game of dice, 
Life is not full of all sorts of uncertainties, but rather in this triune God, and above all, in God as our Creator, we find reality, firmness, a foundation of life that began with Him. This life, as we all know, has been corrupted by sin. We didn't read that, but it comes right away in Genesis chapter 3, and we've read that chapter many times before. Adam and Eve were deceived, deceived by some strange angel, some rebellion against God that is clothed in a lot of mystery in the Bible, and I think a very good reason for that, because evil itself, as Paul says, is a mystery. We'll never be able to understand it, and we'll never be able to probe the depths of it. Just as God is infinitely good, so the devil is infinitely bad. And this evil that has come now into the world has changed it. I remember from our church many years ago came to me after he had been to a funeral of a Jewish friend of his in St. Louis. And he told me that at the graveside, as they were ready to uh, uh, put this man's remains into the ground, the rabbi said something very interesting. He said that life is bitter sweet, but mostly bitter. That is a very truthful thing to say. This is the reality that everyone knows deep down in their own heart. No matter how much they might try to cover it up and believe that somehow the world is ultimately joyful, it all ends in death and in a grave. This is why the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the Son of God and our Savior, is so important. A few Sundays ago, Jesus told us in the Gospel lesson, He who has seen me has seen the Father. This is the Trinitarian doctrine uh, unfolding and being revealed to us. Jesus is the eternal Son of God, and yet He became incarnate. He became one of us. He walked in this world with us and for one great goal, and that was the goal to the cross. There at the cross, Jesus experienced the greatest bitterness that anyone could, could have possibly experienced in this world. He went into it innocent and yet betrayed by closest friends. He was falsely condemned, scapegoated, and mysteriously and momentarily even abandoned by God himself. And for what? In order to turn that rabbi's phrase around. The rabbi is right, but there's more to it than that. Life is bittersweet, and it is mostly bitter, ultimately bitter, without Jesus. But with Jesus, everything changes. And the sweet indeed prevails. In Christ, we can look at all of this life and we can see the, the good things that we enjoy and realize that in some way or another, we are going to continue experiencing those things and even better things. This is always the promise that Scripture holds out for us, that there is another age, there is an eternal life, a life secured for us in that second person, the Son, and our Savior, Jesus. And this brings us now to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. 
This Holy Spirit often is misunderstood as some sort of vague force or something like that. But in the Bible, the Spirit is always presented to us in a personal way. A Spirit who guides us, a Spirit who is grieved when we disobey God, a Spirit who comforts us. These are the signs and the signatures of personality. A personality of God who loves us and cares for us. When Jesus died on the cross and when he rose again, the devil was completely defeated. And the devil rages now in his death throes. And in many ways, he will be allowed to wreak havoc on this earth until it does finally come to the end that Jesus spoke of on that mountain with his disciples when he gave them that great commission. God will do this, I'm sure, in order that we might be able to see that which, from which we have actually been saved. And in the middle of all this havoc and trouble and confusion and evil in this world, he sends the spirit of truth, the comforter, to safely lead us and guide us through our own personal troubles as well as the troubles that swirl around us in every way. As you leave tonight, look to both sides of the narthex. On your left, you will see the windows that represent the creation of this world and the reality of of God as our creator. To the right, you will see the windows representing the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is indeed the work of the Holy Spirit who has preserved these words to us and will preserve them to the very end to be with us in word and deed for our faith and for our forgiveness and for our salvation. This is the triune God that we celebrate on this weekend of Trinity Sunday. And I'd like to just end with this prayer. Lord, help us to be your disciples and to go through our life also making more disciples as we teach them about you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator and Savior and Sanctifier. You are the one who changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise.